All right, guys, welcome back to the Strength Enhanced Podcast. This is episode 12. I hope that you guys are excited to be joining me today. Today, we're talking about respect. I think that respect is one of those character qualities that has kind of died off a little bit in today's culture. It's just gone by the wayside. And I hope that this episode will be a bit of a catalyst for bringing that idea back to mind. Because when men are leading the charge in terms of showing other people respect and acting respectfully, I think that it produces big time change in whatever setting you are, whether it's your school or your workplace or your home. I think that it starts with the men and that's why I'm putting it here on the Strength Enhanced podcast. So now we're going to move on to the question of the day, which is if you could hold the record for one thing, what would you want it to be? There are so many records out there. Some of them are cool. Some of them are ridiculous. What would you want to hold? I would personally want to hold the record for holding my breath underwater the longest. You know, it's that game that you play with your friends at the pool and you always just feel that little rush of exhilaration when you are the last one to come up. Um, But you know what? I don't think I'll ever get there because the record for that is insane. In 2021, a man named Budimir Sabat from Croatia held his breath for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. So I don't think I'll be breaking that record anytime soon. But I think that that is so cool that somebody was physically capable of doing that. I think that gives glory to God for the way that he's created our bodies, that we can be so stretched in our physical capabilities. And I have so much respect for Budimir and his record. So that is a perfect segue into our topic of the day. Of course, respect. What is respect? So if I respect Budimir for his world record for holding his breath underwater, what does that mean? Why do I respect him? Well, it's because he has done something that I look at and I say, wow, that is a lot better than me. I am not able to do that. And I'm happy for you or I respect you. I revere you because of this thing that you've done. And that's like a very basic, low level version of respect. Like, respect, bro. That's crazy. We're going to be talking about many different kinds of respect today because respect is a broad word that can be applied to a lot of different relationships as well as a lot of different actions. And so we're going to be looking at some of those relationships and those actions. And of course, we're going to look at them biblically. So before we begin, of course, I always like to start building the foundation uh, from scripture of why we're talking about the thing that we're talking about. So where do we see respect coming from the Bible? Where is it seen and why is it important? Respect is one of Jesus' most important teachings, in my opinion, um, because it goes hand in hand with love. And I'm going to show you that in a second. But all of the laws, all of the Ten Commandments that we've been given have their basis and their foundation in the concept of respect. Basically, if you don't respect God and you don't respect other people, you're not going to follow the Ten Commandments and you're not going to follow all of the principles that God has laid out. So let's look at the Ten Commandments to see how that happens. The first commandment, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. If you don't respect God as being the one true only God, then you won't respect him. You won't have anything to do with him. You're not going to listen to the rest of the nine commandments. Let's jump down to um, honor your father and mother. If you don't respect 
your father and mother, you would never honor them. You would never do anything to show that you appreciate them, that you believe that their advice is good and helpful. You're just going to play the part of the disrespectful son who doesn't want to listen to their father or mother. Think of the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. If you don't respect the relationship between you and your wife, then you'll have no problem going out and committing adultery with another woman. We, we see that that causes all kinds of problems. So all of this is tied back to respect. You have to respect God and you have to respect man. So when we can properly hold respect as one of these gold standard character qualities, then it will keep us from committing sin, which is a, a great goal to have, in my opinion. In Matthew twenty two thirty five, we have a really deep and profound passage. One of the teachers of the law at the time, one of the Pharisees, asks Jesus, what is the most important commandment? I think that's a great question. Now, when the Pharisee asked this, he was asking almost sarcastically. He was testing Jesus. He didn't really care um, to know what Jesus' opinion of the most important commandment was. He was just wanting to trap him in words. But I honestly, it's a great question. Um, that's something that I would ask God, like, hey, if you could break it down for me, give me the most important thing, uh, what would it be? And this is Jesus' response. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we see that this love, which I believe encompasses and is very closely related to respect, is what the law and the prophets all depend on. If you can just do this one thing, you'll be able to keep the law. And Jesus puts it another way in Matthew seven twelve. It's a little more succinct, a little more potent. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So this is the golden rule that most people have heard or know. Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Respect is all about the golden rule. It's about treating others the way that we want to be treated. I'm going to be using a specific verse that ties this idea of love and respect together. And it comes from Ephesians 5.33. And this is talking about husbands and wives, the relationship between husbands and wives, which is the second most important relationship in the whole universe. The first most important would be your relationship between you and God that person a relationship, but after that, it's marriage. And so this is what Paul says about that relationship. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So you can see that love and respect are very important to God. We're going to dive into a bunch of different scenarios with relationships and how respect plays into those relationships, because it's all well and good to say, well, if you do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then everything will go fine. The problem is, what if the other people are not doing unto you as they would have you do unto them? That's the tricky part. Basically, what if somebody disrespects you? Are you supposed to respect them back? How does that play out in real life? We're going to look into this in the specific example of the relationship between man and government, because this is another very, very important relationship in our society. We all are under the covering of authority from our president, from our governors, from local governing bodies. We need to understand how we're supposed to be respectful citizens and what we're supposed to do if we don't think that our 
governing authorities are acting respectfully. So this is what Romans 13 tells us, starting in verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority that which God has not established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to their authority, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So this verse is a bit of a buzzword, if I can say that, in the modern church because of the turmoil that there has been over the issues of politics and the last two elections. People have used and abused this verse to try to make it say whatever they want. People will say, well, we shouldn't be listening to this president or that president because if they're leading us to do something that's immoral or against God's law, then we shouldn't be subject to them. Um, And other people will say, no, that's not what the Bible says. Romans 13 says that we are supposed to submit to them. And so we have to talk about who is right and what does respect actually look like in this case. So one of the important things to know about the context of this specific passage is that it was written by Paul during the uh, reign of Emperor Nero in Rome. He became emperor in 54 AD, and he was known for persecuting Christians. He would uh, have them be torn apart by dogs. He would stake them on poles and set them on fire. And so when Paul wrote this, he understood the gravity of what he was writing, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so this is what we're left with. We're supposed to be submitting to our governmental authorities. And so why would God do this? Why would God say, you need to submit to evil rulers. A lot of people will bristle at this because they'll say, well, if they're not earning my respect, then they don't deserve my respect. And they'll transfer that line of thinking into a lot of different areas, not just government, but uh, they'll say it about their teachers. They'll say it about their parents. They'll say it about anybody who has any amount of authority in their lives. Um, And so what God is doing here in this passage is he is telling us, hey, I know what's going on. I know who I've put in charge. And what I'm saying to you is that the best way to be a Christian is to submit to their authority. Don't submit to them so far as to start sinning. But if they are not causing you to sin, if they are not openly commanding and demanding that you do things that go against my will, then submit to them because things will go well for you in the land. But if you're always in constant rebellion and you are challenging them at every opportunity, that is uh, wicked in God's eyes. And so, like I said, people will transfer this um, mode of thinking into their other relationships. They will want to defy authority and that's not what God has in any relationship. He sets the bar high when he is talking about the governmental authorities, the ones who we tend to push back on the most. And so we're going to move on to another relationship that is a little closer to home, literally. 
we've got the relationship between children and parents. So Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So this is really important. Um, When I was a kid, I was actually a little bit upset that there were not more verses talking specifically to children. And I thought, well, why is that? I want to, I want to have like a kid's version of what I'm supposed to be learning for this time. It seems like I'm going to have to wait to be a better Christian, which is not true. All of the Bible is useful for teaching and rebuking and disciplining. We know that. But this verse is actually perfect. Now that I'm older, I can see that this verse encompasses everything that a child needs to know. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Basically, it's saying the exact same thing that Romans 13 is saying about government. You are supposed to obey your parents in the Lord, as long as they are not going against what the Lord would have you to do. This is so important because the relationship between a parent and a child is a reflection of the relationship between our heavenly parent, Father, God, and us. So if we as children of an earthly father cannot learn how to obey and respect that earthly father, then we will not learn to obey and respect our heavenly father. When our earthly father tells us to do something and we don't trust what they say, then it'll be good for us. Then we will do the same thing when our heavenly father tells us to do something through his word or through um, the counsel of a friend. We will rebut their advice. We will rebut the commandments and we'll end up walking into disaster because a father has been set up as a guide to his child. In Deuteronomy 6, it talks about this relationship as the father is teaching the son the statutes and the laws that God gave uh, the people of Israel. You teach them as you stand up and as you sit down and as you go in and as you come out all the time so that when that child is grown, they will do that same thing. They'll follow that same pattern with their heavenly father on their own. God is very serious about this relationship, just like he's serious about the relationship between man and government. In Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 through 21, we have a teaching about what to do if your son is rebellious and refuses to listen, refuses to respect the admonitions and the disciplines of their father and mother. This is the consequence. It says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. So some people might look at this passage and be like, how barbaric, how how can Christians support something like this? The Bible is horrible. It's, it's wicked in itself. But this is going to show how seriously God takes this matter of respect. And this is not supposed to be an everyday thing. If you have a child who is throwing a temper tantrum, God is not 
suggesting that we take him out and we have all the elders of the city stone them. That's not what this is. We have a disobedient son who is consistently and openly defying the uh, authority of their father and their mother. And they are, it says they're a drunkard and a glutton. So this is most likely someone who is older, someone who is on their own, uh, kind of like probably most of you guys listening, you're starting to enter that age where you're not really accountable to anybody, um, but you're still under your parents' authority in that way. So maybe 16, 17, 18, you're getting your driver's license, you're able to go out with friends more, but you're partying and you're doing stupid things. Um, So you're in that in-between time. And something that I find interesting about a, a glutton and a drunkard, that these are the two characteristics of this son, is that this just shows the the personality of the son. It shows what their problem is. And the problem is they are obsessed with getting what they want when they want it. Food is pleasurable. Drink is pleasurable. And so what they're doing is they are taking more than they need. They are going after the thing that they want in any way they can until they get it. So in the last verse of this, it says, you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. If you as an 18-year-old heard in ancient Israel that another 18-year-old was stoned to death because that they, they were consistently disobeying and disrespecting their parents, that would make you in your heart go, whoa, I better, I better walk the straight and narrow. I better make sure that I'm respecting my parents because it was required by God in the first place. They knew it. They knew they were supposed to respect their parents. They just weren't doing it. So now let's talk about another relationship where we can see uh, the dynamics of respect. Let's take friends and family. So uh, we're going to exclude parents from this conversation. This is just going to be like you and your siblings, uh, you and your cousins and your friends. How can we learn respect in these kinds of relationships? This is a little different because this is not having that covering of authority necessarily. Um, There may be friends of yours who are much older, more like a mentor figure to you. And in that case, if you have submitted to them in a way and you're like, I kind of want you to be my mentor. I want you to correct me when I'm wrong. I want you to show me how to live well, then that can be a type of authority. But most of the time, it's just mutual. It's peer to peer. And so how can we show respect in that regard? I think that the best way is to go back to that golden rule. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. So if you have a group of friends who you want to go out with and they have made plans and you're all ready, set to go, and then they cancel on you, what they've done is they've disrespected you. And that doesn't feel good. You don't like it when that happens. It's a waste of your time. And so um, the way that you would respect them is by doing the thing that they did, but following through. So you plan your own day and you say, hey, you guys come with me and we're going to do this thing. And then you don't cancel on them. And then you show them, hey, this is what is, this is what it means to respect each other. We need to, we need to be there for each other. We need to respect each other's time. We need to respect each other's efforts and planning and all that stuff. That's just one example. If you have a sibling and this sibling has troubles with their homework. It's respectful for you as an older sibling to look at them, see that they're struggling with something and be like, hey, how can I help? I want our relationship to be really good. So show me what you need. Respect 
is all about relationship. If there was no relationship, there would be no real respect, right? You might have that kind of respect that I have for Budimir Sabat for holding his breath for 24 minutes, but it's not like a real genuine respect. I might meet him someday and I'll be like, well, this person is actually kind of mean and I don't respect him anymore. So this brings up the question, do all people deserve respect? And if so, how much? The biblical answer to that would be yes, all people deserve respect. And the reason that is, is because all people were created in the image of God. If we disrespect another human being, whether it be a parent or our president or a friend, then we are ultimately disrespecting our creator. And that is a sin. That's, a, that's an egregious sin. And so we have got to be very, very careful. As I've said that, you might realize, wow, I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty of that because I'll, I'll call my president an idiot five times a day. And I will talk to my friends about my parents and how they're just out of touch and totally stupid because they're trying to make me do this thing and I want to do this thing and I know best you might be realizing that you've racked up a lot of disrespect for people. You're going to have to face that. The best thing to do is to confess that to God, to apologize, not for just disrespecting them, but for disrespecting him, and then start fresh. Don't speak evil about other people. There's so many scripture verses about that. You're supposed to guard your tongue. That is one of the best ways that you can respect people is to praise them for their good things rather than cut them down. Remember that by the measure you judge others, you will be judged. In Matthew 7, it says, judge not that you not be judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So what this is not saying is never correct anyone because there are definite problems uh, with other people that need to be corrected. Um, And so we shouldn't be afraid of that. But what we should also not do is think that we are uh, above that and that people shouldn't be coming to us and correcting us. So another relationship that there is uh, with respect is actually an internal relationship between respect and your own humility. If you don't have humility, then you will not be able to respect the criticisms of other people who can see your flaws from the outside in and they'll say, hey, I think you need to work on that a little bit. You've got a little bit of an anger management issue or, hey, you got to watch your mouth. You're starting to use profanity. And Psalm 139 says the enemies of the Lord use God's name in vain. And I know that you're not an enemy of the Lord, so I need you to watch out for that. Or you're listening to bad music and people will come to you and say, hey, I don't think that that's honoring to the Lord. You know, what are you feeding yourself? Are you guarding your heart? Because out of your heart flow all things. So we have to just um, be aware of that. And you know what? Rejoice in that. When somebody comes up to you with a correction, you need to immediately drop that defense barrier, that inner lawyer who is trying to always justify the things that you do. And you need to just take it for what it is run it through the scriptures, see if they're right. And if they are, change it. And you know what? That's sanctification in process. That is a beautiful thing. That's why we're supposed to be connected to this, uh, to the church. And so that leads me into 
um, Ephesians 5 again, because Ephesians 5 is that verse I quoted earlier about wives and husbands respecting each other, which then in turn leads into chapter 6, talking about children and their parents. But it also references, Ephesians 5 talks about the church and why that's important. And it's specifically important for men. I keep I keep wanting to come back to this because this is a podcast for men. And I said at the beginning, like, I think that if men would act respectably, that it would change the entire world, honestly, but it would change the area that you live in, the area that you operate in, in your home and in your schools, because people are drawn to respectable people, respectful people. So listen to this. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and to the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is what I'm talking about. The church, that's us, the the body of Christ. We are to submit to all the teachings of Jesus. He is the head. He is the authority in this case. He's given us all that we need to purify ourselves. Now, as men, what I want you to see from this passage is that there are a lot more verses uh, talking about how the men are supposed to treat their wives than how the wives are supposed to treat their men. Um, And I believe that this goes back to the very creation of the two sexes. God created woman second to be the helper to the man. This can get really sticky very fast uh, when we start to talk about complementarianism versus egalitarianism. The idea is that men and women are either equal just with separate giftings or men and women are completely equal and there's no difference in authority or headship. But this, this clearly states that the husband is supposed to be representing Christ in this relationship and the wife is supposed to be representing the church. And so there is an authority difference there. And so as men, we need to know that the burden is on us to be respectable and to be respectful. And so I want you guys to uh, be strong in this. I want you guys to think about, okay, have I been respectful to my authorities? Have I been respectful to my parents? Have I been respectful to my God? Uh, And if you haven't, then take a minute and repent before the Lord and try to get right with him. Try to make it right. So before I finish this podcast, I want to talk about um, something that I personally deal with in my everyday life as a gymnastics coach. So I work with kids and kids can be very disrespectful if they haven't grown up in an environment where they're being taught the word of God or they just have really good parents with good morals and good discipline. Um, so I've had kids tell me no when I'll tell them to do stuff. I've had kids kick me. I've had kids throw stuff at me. That is a sign of disrespect. That is, uh, something that deserves punishment, to be honest. So what I do in those scenarios, 
most of the time, I will give them a form of punishment because it's deserving of punishment. I give them conditioning. I give them something difficult to do. I have them sit down. They're not allowed to participate anymore. But what I don't let happen is that it gets to me personally. I don't get personally mad about it because they're just they're just my gymnast. I, I know I'll have to work with them day in and day out and we'll work on um, attitudes and character qualities, but eventually they're going to be out of my charge and I'm not going to see them daily. They are going to be seen daily, however, by their school teachers and by their parents and by their siblings and by their co-workers and their boss and their wife one day. So what I'm trying to do when I discipline them is I'm I'm showing them, hey, this is not the way, this is not the best way for you to act if you want to lead a successful life. I'm trying to build young men of quality. I want the world to be full of young men who are respectful, just as it was in the old days. I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. There used to be so much more respect for your elders when you were young. People would stand up when an old person would enter the room. They would look them in the eye and they'd shake their hand firmly. They would answer when they were talked to. Some kids won't even do that. Some kids won't put their phones down when people are talking to them. They won't make eye contact. Some kids will talk back to their parents, even in public, and they won't receive any chastisement for that. And they'll continue to do it over and over. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to catch you guys in that, uh, stage where you're mentally aware that respect is a big deal. You know it feels good when other people respect you, so why don't you treat them with respect? Even if they don't treat you with respect, go out of your way to follow that golden rule and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. To finish this off, I have one more verse I want to read to you guys. It's James 1, 19 through 21. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If somebody does something wrong to you, if they disrespect you, do not retaliate. Jesus did not advocate for eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. In Matthew 5, he said, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go with him one mile, then go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Jesus is saying, look, have respect for people. Have respect for their time. Have respect for their humanity. Have respect for their authority. Have respect for their age. He has all of these relationships and scenarios in mind, and it all comes back to the golden rule. So that is the end of today's podcast. I really appreciate you guys listening in. I hope that this has been uh, thought-provoking for you. And if you want to support this podcast, you can go to my Etsy shop at Strength and Hands, and you can find this amazing sweatshirt that I'm wearing as well as a t-shirt and a hat. Um, and if you want to leave comments, you can send those to strengthenmyhands at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave ratings and like the podcast so that other people can hear it as well and share it with your friends. I appreciate you all. I will be back again on the next podcast. Until then, be strengthened, and I'll see you next time.